Hi everyone! Hey guys! Welcome back to The Secret Syllabus. The Secret Syllabus is a production of The Female Quotient and iHeartRadio and co-produced by The Female Quotient and Wonder Media Network. A podcast by college students for college students. And I'm Hannah Ashton. I'm Katie Tracy. And in today's episode, we are going to dive into body liberation. Don't know what that means? Me neither. But we'll learn about it together in our interview today. There is a lot of pressure these days to look a certain way, exercise a certain way, eat a certain way. And it's not easy to be constantly bombarded with the media's perception of a, quote, perfect body. And often it can really harm my self-esteem and make me forget the power of my body and why I should just love it. I think it also comes with being on social media a lot, which focuses on numbers. One thing I opened up about on my YouTube channel is how I gained 25 pounds in college. So you know how they prepare you for the freshman 15, but nobody told me there was also a sophomore 10. And in total, for me, that was an underclassman 25. And I look back now, I'm a junior, and I was really so focused on these numbers when I actually look back and I felt so strong during those first two years because I was going to the gym, I was lifting more, and it made sense that I gained so much weight. And I don't know why I focus so much about on the numbers because I was having a great time, you know? And I admit, I wasn't exercising as much as I did in high school, but that's because I was focusing on just the college experience, meeting new people, going out, doing new things. And I wish I just told myself that it's okay to have fun and enjoy that, especially when I was feeling confident. I think a lot of students can relate to that, Katie. Um, and for me, I found when I came to college, I was ready to like be on the health train, go to the gym that was on campus, go to the workout classes in Nashville. Like I was so ready to just own the living on my own and eating healthy. And I don't know how healthy I thought I could cook in a microwave in a dorm, but I was ready for it. And so first semester was going good. And then second semester, I actually went through my first breakup. And then on top of that, had some new work goals I set for myself. And on top of school, health just really took the back burner. And I mentally beat myself up for that and thought of how can you get behind when you came in so strong. Uh, But sophomore year, I really worked through all those thoughts. And I feel like now I'm at the point where I work out every day to give me energy and to make me feel good and not necessarily for how it'll make me look. I find especially being on Zoom all day, it's like my stress relief, my safe haven in the day when I can go and move my body and kind of get a break from sitting. And that's where our next guest comes in. She's building a successful yoga career in a space where she's had to confront her body image struggles and she's now on a mission to inspire us to do the same, embrace and reclaim all aspects of our identity. We're talking about Jessamine Stanley. Jessamine is a yoga practitioner, body positivity advocate, and writer. We're so excited for you to learn all about Jessamine's journey to health, fitness, and most importantly, self-compassion. Hi, Jessamine. Welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you on. We would love for you to start off by telling our listeners a bit about yourself and your work. Absolutely. So my name is Jessamine Stanley. I'm the founder of the Underbelly Yoga. I am the author of Everybody Yoga. I am the host of Dear Jessamine. And I am the co-founder of We Go High in C. And I mean, I'm really just a yoga practitioner. Like, obviously, I teach yoga. I travel around the world practicing and teaching. And and I speak a lot to the experience of living in a marginalized body and still like wanting to live vibrantly and uh, working toward this elusive idea of 
not caring what anybody thinks, even though I'm not sure that that's even really the purpose of life. But I definitely focus on these things and talk about them. And I mean, a lot comes up with that, like as a black person, as a queer person, as a fat person, there's, there's a lot of different layers to, um, uh, sort of peel back. But more than anything, at the end of the day, I'm just a yoga practitioner and I show up to my practice the way that I show up every day. And it's just to try to be present and try to um, show up for all that life has to offer. So we did a little experiment and Googled yoga instructor and the images that popped up were mostly of thin white women. In an interview, you mentioned how lonely the space could be as a queer Black femme. Can you talk about the challenges you've faced in the space? You know, the challenges that I've faced in the yoga world, which is definitely like predominantly white, slender, able-bodied, wealthy, those challenges are really not all that different from the challenges that I faced in every other part of this world. Like, I think that we live in a world that has been... Uh, really built and is currently scaffolded by white supremacy and by patriarchal ideology. And so the experience of uh, someone who looks like me is just really like counterintuitive to that whole perspective. And I think that especially in the yoga world where so much of modern yoga is really based in fitness culture. And there's a very specific idea in, in the fitness world of like what a healthy person looks like and, and what it means to be active. And, and generally none of those definitions have anything to do with being fat um, to any degree. And so I've definitely experienced a lot of discrimination where people, I mean, even it's not just, you know, the in industry. It's not just like I've, I've experienced a lot of discrimination in terms of like the types of professional opportunities that I have. But even just with uh, other practitioners who come out to class, like I've had people come to my class and and like when I'm signing people in, they'll be like, are you the teacher? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'm the teacher. And then they're just you can see it on their face that they're like, man, I don't have to pay this woman to practice yoga and she doesn't even know how to do yoga. And, you know, she's fat. If she's fat, how could she know about yoga? And it's always that person who like at the end of class is like dripping sweat. And then they come up and they're like, oh my God, this is a really amazing experience. And like, I really didn't expect it. And, and I find that the real lesson for me is to just sort of accept that, Everyone is opening their eyes when it's time for their eyes to be open and that that doesn't it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong or anything bad and that it's important for me to be compassionate in those instances and to to show up for the lessons for myself and to not be like, well, why didn't you think that fat people could practice yoga? Because really, I mean, this whole idea of like what a yoga practitioner looks like is to has nothing to do with reality. Like yoga is meant to be practiced by literally any and all human beings. Like as long as you can breathe, 
you practice yoga. It's not, the postures can be adapted for where you are in your life. All yoga really is, is about breathing. And it's really meant to carry you through the hardest times in life. It's not about like, it's not about youth or about flexibility or like all of these things that we think that yoga is about. And so I have found that a lot of my work really comes down to showing what yoga actually is as opposed to this kind of like gymnastics that is what people typically think that yoga is. I really admire how you don't take, you know, any criticism personally and you realize like instead you choose to react with compassion and that at the end of the day is what turns people around and draws them, I think, to your many platforms. I'm also curious was there a tipping point from seeing this lack of representation to deciding you would fill this space? I started posting about my yoga practice on social media back whenever Instagram like first launched. So there wasn't this whole, now there's like a lot of people on Instagram, a lot of people who are yoga practitioners showing their practices. But when I first started showing my own practice, there really weren't that many people. And it was primarily just like very serious yoga people and teachers. And it was people who were looking for a sense of community outside of their home yoga practices, because a home yoga practice can be a little bit isolating. And so as a result, like there's this desire to connect to people who are not in your living room or whatever. And so I wanted to feel a connection outside of myself. And I took these photos really just hoping to receive feedback from other practitioners like, oh yeah, I'm working on warrior two too. Or like, I love camel pose. This is how I practice camel pose. Like I was looking for that kind of feedback, but I realized pretty quickly that the, the vast majority of the feedback that I received was people being like, I didn't know that fat people could do yoga. Fat people can do yoga. This is crazy. And I was just like, why do you think fat people can't do yoga? Fat people do all kinds of stuff literally all the time. You just never see fat people doing anything except being the before of a before and after. And I think that had I not had that realization, I probably would not have continued to uh, show my yoga practice because I actually tend to think that the showing of a yoga practice, like photographing it and taking video and all of this, that it's actually like kind of the opposite of what, well, it's not the, not the capturing of images, but sharing those images with other people. I kind of feel like that is the opposite of yoga because yoga is really asking us always to be looking within ourselves for the answers. And anytime that you put yourself out into the world for other people to engage with, it becomes about what other people think of you. And so they're kind of, they don't really go in the same direction. And there was a point some years ago where I almost stopped posting about my yoga practice because I just felt like it wasn't serving my practice and that it wasn't serving me as a human being. And it was around that time that I realized there was a bigger need for representation within the yoga world because so much of what is shown to be yoga is not yoga. It's 
it's capitalism, it's gymnastics, it's, it's destination yoga retreats, it's uh, coconut water. It's all about selling something. And it really has, and it's all about the physical body. And it has very little to do with this uh, practice of introspection and contemplation and uh, a harvesting of compassion. And that really all of that pulls at much like deeper and more complex layers of the self, things that are, that I think provoke a lot of conflict. And so it's conflict with both yourself and then also with other people. And so one of the beautiful things about sharing my practice and the reason that I continue to do it to this day is because it's an opportunity to share what a yoga practice really looks like. That it's not all like handstands on the beach and drinking coconut water and like what leggings do you wear? It's about reckoning with the intersections of identity and actually my next book yoke is really about all of this it's coming out next year and i talk about all of these these real layers of the yoga practice where you're dealing with you know your sexual identity your gender identity your religious identity your racial identity and how all of those things conflict with one another that that's what yoga really is and that there's this really beautiful opportunity through sharing the practice with other people to encourage other people to have that journey within themselves. If we're all seeking compassion and if we're all looking within ourselves, as opposed to fearfully, constantly looking outside of ourselves. Like right now we're living in this era of like, everyone is so afraid of everything all the time and you can feel it. It's like, it's, it is palpable. And I think that if we reacted from a space of compassion, as opposed to reacting from a space of fear, that we would all collectively be happier together. And so that really is what continues to motivate me, that it is a little bit beyond just showing like, yeah, fat people can do yoga. It's like, nah, in the age of COVID, in the age of like the great racial awakening of the world, it is imperative that we all look within ourselves. That's an amazing perspective and also advice. I know a lot of people go on Instagram to find that Fitspo or workout inspiration, but afterwards we may just feel intimidated, especially in yoga. Like you said, when we see people doing crazy handstands and being super flexible, how do we navigate this space in a healthy manner? Mm. That is so real, first of all, to like go on there and be like, yeah, I want to get on my yoga mat today. And then you start looking at people like practicing these deep inversions and like deep back bends. And you're just like, what is this? And so I definitely feel that. And I think that there's kind of this, there needs to be more emphasis on the work that people are actually doing when they're practicing those really intense postures. Because like, if you ask even it doesn't even need to be yoga. Like you could ask an ultra marathoner or like somebody who swims long distances or like someone who's obsessed with CrossFit. When you ask them why they're into it, it doesn't have anything to do with their physical body. It has absolutely nothing to do with like you don't run hundreds of miles because you care about what your body looks like. It's because if you are actually trying to like like dig into 
some of the harder parts of being a human, like whatever baggage you're carrying, it might be, it literally could be anything. When you see a really intense physical practice, like whether that's yoga or uh, CrossFit or running or whatever the thing, boxing, whatever the thing is, that you can really just remember that you're just looking at that person's internal work and that if you have some baggage that you need to deal with, this is the way to deal with it. Like if it's just like, oh yeah, I want to be flexible or like I want to be able to do a handstand. Like why do you want to do that? It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Like kind of, it's kind of like who cares? What really, it's like if you're dealing with the fact that like you didn't get a job that you thought you really deserved and maybe maybe you did really deserve and somebody else got it and now you're dealing with what that actually feels like. Like you were in a relationship that you totally defined your identity and then you and that person are no longer together anymore and you have to figure out who you are. Maybe you're pregnant out of nowhere and you need to figure out how to deal with that within yourself. Like maybe somebody really close to you has passed away. Like all of those things, things that we think are like bad things about about us are actually what make us so incredible. And that is the fuel for your physical practice. So like, if you want to get into, like, take that baggage, carry it with you onto the mat, and that will allow you to really dig in, dig into the extent that literally anyone who's practicing a complex posture that's inspired you, it that's going to get you to where they are. I think one thing that I struggle with, like, I definitely want to have a healthy lifestyle. And during college, especially, it's such a great way to de-stress. Uh, but one issue I come across is when I think about going to the gym, I'll try to invite a friend. You know, they'll say something like, oh, I'm intimidated by the gym or like, can we just do it in our suite or whatever? And I'm like, what are your thoughts on this? And what would you say to women who are intimidated by the gym? It so oh my goodness, I have so much to say about this. Cause when I was in college, one of like it was actually a couple of really good friends of mine. We would like always go to the gym together. And so much was dependent on like what the other person was interested in doing. So like if I wanted to run on the track or whatever, and my friend didn't want to do that because she was intimidated by the other people who were there or whatever, then I don't get to run on the track or like I'd be into doing the elliptical or whatever. If she doesn't want to do the elliptical, I can't do the elliptical. It's all this stuff. And like, I mean, I do, even to this day, I definitely struggle with the intimidation factor of being in the gym. And so I really feel that as a sentiment. And I think it is helpful to have another person there, other people there to help you feel a little bit better. But I also think it's really helpful to just like try not to be so focused on finding a gym buddy or finding a partner or somebody to do it with. Because no matter what, like if you are doing it with them for a long time. Like there's going to be some change in y'all's lives where you're not able to do it together. And then you might not continue to do that practice. Like you might not keep going to the gym or doing that online class or whatever it is because your friend isn't there. And so I feel like it's helpful to like try to separate from the idea of needing to be with somebody else. I so emphasize the importance of the home yoga practice. Like I, I have my app, the underbelly yoga, and I know that like 
there's this desire to share a yoga practice with other people. But really, that whole building the underbelly 100% came from me building my own home yoga practice and recognizing how crucial that is for other people, because it is so distracting to be in a space, to be in a yoga space, even with other people like, and yoga being something that I think people associate with being like, really calm and chill. And like, you're in this environment where it's okay to be yourself. Uh, uh-uh. It does not always feel that way. Like, it'll feel like you can't fart, you can't wear the wrong leggings, you can't, you've got to be able to move in time with the teacher, with the other students. Like if you're doing anything that's even sort of different than what other people are doing, then they're going to think there's something wrong with you. Like there's all of this baggage that comes up that I think is really distracting from the experience of just being in your own body, like just doing your own thing. And so establishing a home practice, whether that's in yoga or any other physical activity, I feel like that is so crucial because when you're at home, you can develop the confidence that you can then carry out into the world with you. So that if you are that person who's like, yeah, I don't like being at the gym or I don't like going out to a random yoga class with people that I don't know, it's very intimidating. That's totally legit. Practice at home. Do your own thing. Because at home, you can like, you can wear your underwear. You can stop whenever you feel like it. I can't even tell you the number of times that I like cut off an online class halfway through because I'm just like, yeah, I'm good. It's no shade on the teacher, no shade on whatever the thing is. I'm just like, I'm kind of good. You can kind of, at home, you can make things up on your own. You can get equipment that you really like and that really speaks to you. You don't have to go to the gym and like wait for other people to be off of the equipment. Like there's so many different ways to adapt and learn in your home space. And what is so beautiful about that is that you can carry all of those tools out into the world. So that when you do go to the gym or to the yoga class or whatever, that you feel so much more okay with just being exactly as you are. It's something I think confidence is something that kind of has to be practiced at home and then you can carry it out into the world with you. That's also great, especially since you are promoting um, creating a, a yoga flow in your home, which is something we all are having to do now as we're in the pandemic. So I would love to ask you, how can we individually promote a culture of body positivity when we post online? I think that the only way to be good to other people is to be good to ourselves. And so when we're like posting online and whether that's like posting a photo of ourselves or posting a comment on someone else's photo, it really comes down to me. It comes down to like treat other people the way that you'd want to be treated and like actually consider how you want to be treated. And so I think that I think that if you don't have a practice of doing that to yourself, and for yourself and not for anyone else or any other reason than the fact that you deserve it, it's pretty much impossible to do that to other people because you have no practice in doing it. It's similar to the confidence thing. It's like, how can you just be, how can you just be uh, more like quote body positive 
if you're not actually practicing it for yourself. And I do think that it has to go beyond like being, I think body positivity is so buzzy right now. And it's so like, it's just this elusive idea of like always being happy with your body. And I don't really think that that's what body positivity means. Like I actually tend to favor the phrase body liberation at this point, because I feel like we're really trying to liberate ourselves from these standards, like whether they're patriarchal or white supremacist or whatever, like we're trying to free ourselves from this ideology. And that to me is not always happy. It's not always positive or good. Some of that work is really dark and murky and complicated, but it's also really, really necessary. And so it's helpful to just be like, you know what? I'm going to take it all in. I'm going to accept all of this. I'm going to let it all be here. And that that when you are able to get to that place of accepting both the good and the bad and the very ugly, that's when you can actually start to feel more free and feel more present and just be okay with things as they are. When I came across the term body liberation on your platform, I immediately fell in love with that because it really does depend on the day. Like, especially with having a little bit of an online presence, I want to promote body positivity, but I feel like I'd be lying to my audience if I didn't wake up some days and really picked myself apart and felt like I needed to work out longer, felt like I shouldn't work out maybe at all today. So I'm so thankful you brought that up. And that's a term that you use. So now we have a fun little game. We want to do a yoga hot seat. So we are going to fire off some yoga myths and you just tell us if they are true or false. Love it. Yes. Okay. You have to be flexible to do yoga. Oh my goodness. Myth. You do not have... Yoga brings out the flexibility that's inside of you. Like everybody is extremely flexible. Yoga doesn't make you... You're not... You don't have to be flexible to do yoga. Yoga will make you flexible. Yoga has to be spiritual. Mm. I actually think that this is true. I think that yoga is always spiritual, even when we don't think that it is. I think that spirituality and religion are like such confusing concepts, honestly. Like I think that we all have very clear ideas of what they mean. And really like spirituality and being spiritual is just connecting with your deeper self, like connecting with your most true self, your, we call it the subtle body, like connecting to this body that's unseen. And that that work is, I just feel like yoga is always spiritual. Even when you don't think that it's spiritual, it's always spiritual. Yoga isn't a workout. Oh, this is so, oh, okay. Uh, I would say that no, I, yeah, I think that's a myth. I think that yoga is not always a workout. Like yoga is always put into this category of fitness. And so if we're talking about like a fitness workout, no, yoga is not always a fitness workout. Like frequently, like yoga just means that you're yoking the light and the dark of life, like that you're bringing together things that typically wouldn't make sense to come together. And that process doesn't, it's not always physical. I actually think that the most important yoga happens in conversations with people. The most important yoga is like when somebody cuts you off in traffic and you have to like resist the desire to road rage on them. Compared to that, handstands are like a walk on the beach. All of the physical postures are just preparation for that. So I would say that no, in the traditional sense, yoga is not always a workout. And for our last one, hot yoga is better for you. 
No, hot yoga is not like particularly better for you. I think that hot yoga does open your body in a way that unheated yoga does not. Like there's a certain amount of flexibility that is required of your physical body by a really hot environment, but it's not like any better for you than any other type of yoga. We'd love to end chatting a little bit about self-love. You once said the statement, quote, I don't think self-love is a final destination. Can you tell us more about that quote? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that we tend to feel as though you reach a point of self-love and you're just always happy. You're always great. Like, it's like, I never have to worry about this anymore. I figured out how to love myself. I'm good forever. And it's just not like that at all. <laughs> like, it's totally, there are days, there will always be ups and downs. There will always be fluctuations. Fluctuations are a part of life. The ups and the downs are a part of life. And I think that knowing that, accepting that, really finding a way to love the fluctuations, that's a part of the self-love. So that, because if you're only like, I like myself every day, if that's the only time that you think you're experiencing self-love, it's going to really suck on the days when you don't feel that way. So accept that there's going to be fluctuations and that the fluctuations are important. I actually think I learned so much more about myself on the days when I'm being mean to myself than on the days when I'm like, feeling good about myself. I think there is, there's a lot to learn from the hard spots and you don't have to run away from them. Jessamine, thank you so much for being our guest today. We are so inspired by what you do to create a culture of inclusivity that encourages everyone to love our bodies in all shapes and sizes. To all our listeners, you can follow Jessamine on Instagram at my name is Jessamine. Make sure to check out her virtual yoga studio, The Underbelly. We'll have it in the show notes below. Thank y'all so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. Wow, that was such a great interview. I know I now feel more empowered to work out and move my body rather than feel guilty about not working out. One thing I really loved that she talked about is the term body liberation and how it's okay to have days where you don't love how your body looks or you look in the mirror and maybe you have some negative thoughts, but just realizing those and knowing that we can sit in that for a little bit and understand what we're feeling and not be upset with ourselves for not loving our bodies, but then working towards a better mental state about how we feel about our bodies and you know, instead of always trying to force ourselves to feel good about how we look, just doing little things every day that make us feel good, whether it's doing a 10-minute yoga practice in our dorm rooms or going to a full-blown workout class, every little thing counts. What did you love hearing about, Katie? I think what really resonated with me was the part about embracing your space at home because I used to think it was so boring to work out at home, you know, do a good old like floor workout and also not doing it with anybody just did not motivate or inspire me at all. But the way she talked about, oh, you know, this is your chance to go at your own pace, to take a pause if you need to, to leave early if you have to, and also to not worry about everybody else because the gym can be a very self-conscious space and I've been there and it really takes the weight off when you just, you're just there working out for you because you enjoy it, you feel strong. And that's something um, I've started to adopt in quarantine. Listeners, I hope this episode was inspiring to you to love our bodies today and tomorrow and forever because it's so important to take care of our bodies and just love all that they can do. 
The Secret Syllabus is a production of The Female Quotient and iHeartRadio and co-produced by The Female Quotient and Wonder Media Network. The Female Quotient is committed to advancing equality and elevating women from college campuses to the corner office. You can find out more at www.thefemalequotient.com. We'll see you next week after class. Bye, everyone.